I pressed play. And I heard Mr. Rogers today. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be Jesus's? <laughs> My neighbor is barkeeper. I am my neighbor's barkeeper. I keep him jacked up on Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a weighty kavod coming upon every mind in this place. Every mind tuning in with eyes and ears to hear what the Spirit says. Let there be a fresh weight of fresh glory through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to manifest heaven through your earthly body into your spirit within and bring resurrection to your spirit through your earthly bodies. For the ultimate satisfaction in life on earth as it is in heaven. And that is why he died on the cross that you may have the same exact experience of heaven in your earthly body, through your earthly body, and all around your earthly bodies. Whatever. Whatever. Shabbat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. How you guys doing? Alrighty then. Crazy as always. Lord, <laughs> thank you for fresh, strong, angelic ecstasy into the brain, into the heart. We just ask for the souls to be baptized into the deep river. We thank you for souls going down like anchors. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, the soul has an anchor into the living water. I pray for the anchor of the soul, the weight of the soul. That 500-pound millstone tied around the soul into the living waters within. People will not walk accurately with Jesus until they're anchored underneath their spirit where the Bible says Christ is. This is reading in Ephesians 2. We might read it later. But Ephesians 2 says, To be led by the thoughts in your mind is to be led by Satan himself. Can you believe the Bible says that? It's right here. The Bible says, well, let's start with verse 1. Let's get right into it. 
Ephesians 2, verse 1 in the Amplified Classic. And you he made alive when you were dead slain in your trespasses and sins, in which at one time you walked habitually, you were following the course and fashion of this world, were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air, you were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving, who go against the purposes of God. Among these, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind. Notice that being under the control of the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2.2, 2, is to be led by the thoughts of your mind. Who is led of Satan? Whoever is led by the thoughts of their mind follows the devil. So the only way to not follow Satan is to not follow anything you're ever thinking. The Bible says it. You cannot be thought led. The first thing that the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God wants to do in you is judge the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Hebrews 4.12, it is written, the judgment seat of Christ is for Christ's thoughts in your spirit to conquer the thoughts of the devil in your brain. It's the only place a human being struggles. It's the only place a Christian goes astray. Why do they go astray? Most go astray. Very few are obedient because they don't know better to not follow the thoughts and the thinking of their brains. Business tells me I should have wisdom by following common sense in my brain. And so you're following the devil in the marketplace. You need to follow the Holy Spirit. The Bible says only those that are spirit-led, lay hands on your belly. The Bible says your spirit is in your belly. And only those spirit-led are led by Jesus and are being fathered by God. God cannot father you if you are led by the thoughts of your head because you've chosen Satan to father you. Do you understand? That's how you practically choose which tree in the garden you're eating from. Amen? Amen. You choose which tree in the garden you're eating from when you choose if you're led by brain thought or by spirit thought. I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. Always for good, never for evil. Thoughts for a hope and a future, Jeremiah prophesies. In order to hear them, there must be a renewing of the mind, a sanctification with an understanding that the devil's manifest purposes come with manifest thoughts into the brain. Into the brain. They make you think negative things towards yourself, towards others. It's all lies. I have never seen the brain 
ever once help a Christian, a believer, get closer to God. The kingdom of heaven has never been built one step by the brain of man or woman. Only in the spirit, the spirit building the house, has the kingdom ever advanced in the earth. You can be drunk and still be influenced in the thoughts of your mind, which are the passions of the flesh. It's true. So where do we die daily? We die to the influence of the power, and there are many powers in the air. We die to the influence of the powers in the air by Christ crucified in our brains. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Just start out with that because that's what we need. Among these, Ephesians 2, in which at one time you walked habitually. Notice it said habitually, which means only. You're no longer walking only in the flesh. Sanctification just means sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes the thought life of the brain messes you up. What makes you saved is that you repent and go back to Jesus. You go back to the river. People that never change the thinking and the being thought-led in the brain are only Satan-led. Demonic influence comes against every single believer after they're born again. Jesus said, after a good sower sows good seed, a bad sower sows bad seed. In the parable, the sower sowing seed. So that means every single person after they're born again is going to deal with the devil and his manifest seeds, which are thoughts in the mind. And you will learn from your mistakes to not follow your brain. What is a disciple of the kingdom? A disciple of the kingdom of heaven is a person who never, zero, follows the brain. You follow the brain. That's the very essence of idolatry. The essence of original sin is following the manifest thoughts of the mind. That's what the Bible teaches anyway. Amen? Amen. Amen. So how do we change? So nobody even has a choice or an option in this until they're born again. You don't have another option as a human being to follow a different master than the serpent in the garden until you ask Jesus into your spirit. And you're led by Jesus Christ, the spirit of Jesus, led the apostles in the book of Acts, demonstrating to us how to be spirit-led. They followed the angel of Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus, the angel of Jesus, which means his flesh was at the right hand of God in the third heaven. But on earth, in Asia Minor, his angel, his spirit, was leading them to advance his kingdom through his friends, the apostles, in the book of Acts. How many of y'all know that's the only standard of the only Christianity down here? You also must be led by the angel of Jesus Christ. Is that foreign to you? That's Biblical New Testament Book of Acts Christianity. Amen. That you have to be led by an angel. The angel from God. It's true. An angel came to me in my dreams and said, go down to Egypt so the baby isn't killed by Herod. How many of y'all know everyone in the Bible 
was led by holy angels. Moses directed the very Ten Commandments by angels. He was given the Word of God and wrote down the first five chapters and five books of the Bible from angels. 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 <laughs> Holy Ghost. <laughs> it's all good. I just thank you, Father, for the grace to follow the Spirit of Jesus. I can hear your heart saying, I'm doing the best I can. That's all that's expected of you. The Father knows your limitations, and He's not frustrated with you. You need to hear that when you're young in the Lord. Because when you're young in the Lord, there's still an expectation on the self of the soul nature. And so you hide parts of yourself from others to look a certain way, but it's just grave clothes. It's grave clothes. And no one in heaven is angry about your grave clothes. You need to have the attitude in your mind of Christ towards your soul. Amen. Which means... If you are not in agreement of God's love towards your condition, there's no chance of being transformed. Because you've condemned yourself, you've agreed with the devil about your soul. When we're young in the Lord, we don't understand wisdom. We don't understand the teachings of the prophets very clearly. That's why you got to meditate it on the inside. you got to meditate on the Word of God day and night to inherit the Promised Land. Joshua chapter 1, it is written... You're meditating, which is putting it into your spirit until your soul gets transformed. Transforming the soul is an instant, guys. You put the word in, it's like a washing machine. Sometimes it will take five years. There are words from God that he put into my spirit, my washing machine, because that's what washes you and keeps you clean that didn't even come out of the dry cycle 20 years later. 20 years later. Understanding visions I got at Teen Challenge, open visions, 20 years later. What you do is you keep them in the spirit. You don't have to figure it out. You know what part of you is getting washed. The human part of you, the blood part of you, the heart and the mind and the bone part of you, the soul part of you, getting washed. Your job is to stay loyal to the process. Most people want instant gratification. That's why they go to witchcraft. They get frustrated because the devil's winning in the thoughts of their minds. You got to shut that stuff down, guys. That's your responsibility. You have been given the Holy Ghost to shut your brain down. I just don't know how. You need to do a little water fasting. Sometimes they only come out of your brain, these manifest thoughts of Satan and his angels, with water fasting. There are whole barriers in my walk that I would have never have gone through unless I fasted them out. I mean, like dozens and dozens of times. Some of these levels and elevations because of human DNA and what DNA is and the limitations of human DNA, corrupted DNA, the programming of the soul can't get it. Like will not get it. The stubbornness is there. The pride is there. The lust is there. And you just can't get it. That's right. 
Jesus says, right now, you cannot understand it. That's what he said to his disciples. There's no possible way you can understand. You can't get it. But he says, if you receive it into your heart and treasure it as mystery, which means treasure the seed and just listen and obey and follow Jesus and follow through with the process of the seed of the word of God working in your spirit that will spring up in your heart and it will be stronger than your heart. When the Bible says that God is greater than our hearts, one of the greatest promises in the New Testament, God is greater than our hearts. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. What's the condemnation of the heart? The soul connected to the natural realm. It's not just Satan there feeling judged. It's not the accuser of the brethren even there. It's the human soul there. It's the soul. You have a soul, so you're dealing with your soul, and God is greater than your soul. For the first gate into the soul is your hearts. Your hearts. So you go into the heart, the human blood, which is the river Nile, Moses, floating down the river Nile, floating down the human river, sent, born from God, sent from God, predestined, foreordained to be the deliverer of his generation. And so is Jesus in you. Jesus in you is likened to Moses floating down the river to save you from Egypt inside the river of your own heart. Amen. It's a picture and an image of what salvation looks like of God sending a deliverer, in this case Jesus, not the types and shadows of Moses, not the Old Testament, not Moses, Jesus Christ, into the heart through human blood, which is sending him right through the river of your human blood to save you from yourselves. Egypt is the place you live in when you live in self. And we're getting progressively delivered from self-blood, human blood, and self-thought, which is demonic leadership, Pharaoh, and the taskmasters, and the slave masters that always say, build, 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 do, 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 do. Did you do? Did you do this today so you're good enough for a Pharaoh? In that system of works, and external appearances, we, through religion, have put ourselves in hell. No one did that to us. Our belief systems, naturally, if you let a soul do its own thing, it will live in Egypt, which is spiritual hell on earth, where the Israelites were in the first coming of Jesus. Jesus said, you are in Gehenna, which means the garbage dumps, which is the most commonly used word for hell, that he used for the believers. His believers were in hell. That's what he says in the New Testament. Because they were stuck in their souls. When you're in your soul, you are in Gehenna. When you're in your spirit, you are in paradise. Paradise is when you transfer Gehenna soul into spirit paradise. And you do that by dealing with reality in the blood, in the heart, through prophecy. The prophetic word has the ability to rise in our hearts, which is God greater than our hearts, through believing a word, and its word having the very power of his glory within it, which is the fruition, the fruitfulness 
of the tree of life, consuming the air of your souls. It devours the very air of your souls. God breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. This happens not an external breath. People can breathe and go to hell, right? You look around. Breathing doesn't help unless the tree of life has grown up in your heart. Then the atmosphere in your soul transforms into the atmosphere of the breath of God. In Hebrew, the Ruach HaKadosh. The breath of the Almighty is what makes us in heaven and on earth at the same time. What's coming? The breath of life. What is the breath of life? The atmosphere around God's throne. Amen. And that's what transfers your consciousness from Gehenna to paradise. So CPR won't work. Mouth to mouth resuscitation. Even if Jesus breathed into your mouth, you would quickly lose it if it's not developed out of your own spirit because you don't have the faith to sustain it unless it's developed out of the very eternal spirit in your bellies you won't even know how to keep what he gave you you'll just live humanly with an external gift from god as most christians have done during the church age the church age is over now the kingdom age begins on earth with a people that learn how to use the gift of God from spirit. And spirit transfers the gift of life from their spirit so that the breath of God in their soul is the Holy Spirit. Ruach HaKadosh, breath of life, is the Hebrew form of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is known as God's very breath. Well, God doesn't have lungs. God's a spirit, the Bible says. So what does that mean? That means that your spirit transforms your human body to run on a different energy. To run on God's energy. Is it going to take one breath? You have that one breath. That breath was the word that came out of someone's mouth that was filled with faith and you received it and your spirit was regenerated. You got your own little kingdom atmosphere in there. It's called the garden of your heart. The garden of your heart is the place that creates the breath of life in your soul. Everyone's garden is completely different. Everyone's garden has different things growing in it. Sometimes there's weeds of the soul that choke up the garden of the spirit. They both grow up together. Spirit and soul will grow up together and you will have a harvest every year. Even if it's a bad harvest, weeds will come out. If it's a good harvest, good fruit will come out and fruit that remains. The point is, the New Testament is our restoration back to garden works. Jesus in his resurrection form is called by Mary gardener because the New Testament activity is the gardening of the human spirit. And you are learning how to garden your spirit. That's why it says, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares. What that means is the time it comes when the heart is circumcised and the sword is not necessary in there. Now you have a plowshare, which is gardening the good soil of your spirit. You can't circumcise a heart forever. 
eventually there's nothing left to circumcise. There's a, a, a width and a height and a breadth and a depth of the love of God in Christ Jesus when that bandwidth of the human heart is peeled back and all you're left with is the human spirit because there's limitations on the human soul. It only goes up to the second heavens. But there's no limitations on the human spirit. It goes up to the seventh heavens, which is infinite forever in all directions. So the human spirit keeps expanding like the cosmos forever in all directions. If you plant good seed, which means keep believing the word. And it has to be the prophetic word. It can't be the pathetic word. The dead letter kills. It has to be the word of life. It has to be the word of grace. The word of grace is the word that when planted in the spirit bears forth the fruit of the tree of life so that the soul can eat it on this side of the garden, on this side of the river. The tree of life's on that side of the river, which means below your spirit. And the tree of life's on this side of the river, which is above your spirit, which is your brain eating from the tree of life. Both sides. Now you have access through God on the inside, Christ in you, the hope of crossing over into the spirit to eat from the tree of life in the spirit, which means receive the word of God directly from God, eating out of God's own hand. And God's hand is the Holy Ghost. The right hand of the Almighty is the Holy Spirit who's constantly feeding you heaven into your earthen vessels. Amen. He has given you his good spirit without measure for those whose souls thirst and hunger for it. If you're not thirsty and hungry, this teaching's costly, so they'll just completely reject it. We give us external religion. We want external Christianity. Give us externalism. Colossians chapter 2 says they followed the devil because their Christianity was of an external kind. External Christianity is 99% of what's out there. doesn't do anything for the spirit. That's why there's no actual growing. They're the same growth when they're 70 years old than when they were 20 years old and got born again. And it's very sad. And we need better teaching so that we can get God inside-minded. Without God inside-minded teaching, a spirit can't develop. And so people just sit there in church and have wonderful emotional services. They can feel goosebumps externally. They'll raise their hands to an external Jesus that they don't even know because they've never returned to where Christ came into them, into their center. They've never grown down. It's always growing outwardly, which is how Christians die. Christians aren't supposed to die. Who overcomes the world? He who believes in Jesus, but you have to be God inside minded. The Apostle John doesn't end there. He says, now you have the greater one in you to face he who's in the world. If you get into externalism, you'll actually have extremely hard lives. It's only easy when you transfigure the spirit because now all the fullness of God's power is dwelling in you and your soul realizes that power. Your soul realizes the authority of the Father and the Lamb, Almighty God, inside your earthen vessels, treasures and jars of clay. This treasure has great authority. This treasure has great favor and power over animal flesh, over sinners and unbelievers. When sinners and unbelievers came to Jesus, he had authority over them 100% of the time. 
They couldn't touch him. They couldn't do anything. There was no will, nothing that could be done to Jesus because of the uprightness of the Father in his spirit that his soul was submitted to. Because he was following God on the inside, inside his spirit, you'll never see the enemy be able to do anything to Jesus until Jesus obeyed his Father and gave himself up as a sacrifice for our sins. Before that, nobody could touch him. They tried to stone him. The Bible says he just walked through the midst of them. They took him to the edge of the cliff to throw him off his first day of ministry in his home church in Nazareth. And the Bible says he just walked through the midst of them. Nobody could by any means touch them. And the Bible says when you are in right standing with God, walking uprightly on the inside, nothing can by any means touch you. So if they're able to touch you, and if your mind's getting touched, if your life's being touched, you need to grow within. A lot of this external suffering, suffering is a fruit testing of God exposing the weak points in your armor that you're blind to because of your own pride. We're blind. These eyes are blind, even if you say you see, Jesus says, well, now that you say you see, your sins are held against you. If you say, I don't see, I can't see, because you recognize flesh never sees. The brain and the eyes of the flesh cannot see. Only the eyes of the heart can see. Father, illuminate the eyes of our heart that we may see. Purchasing ISAV, which is the anointing, which is our seeing, the seer anointing. Purchase it. What's the purchase? Recognizing that natural eyes are blind in every man and woman's skull, that these eyes cannot see truth or the kingdom. They're not capable of seeing. They're not capable of judging. They're always wrong and they always deceive. Natural eyes are called the eyes of Horus. So you cannot be more led by the devil than being led by your natural eyes. Because Satan is the natural eye. That's what the Bible says in Genesis. They were deceived by their natural eye looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The natural eye is the devil. If you're led by a natural eye, you're following Satan 100% of the time. If you're led by the eyes of the Holy Ghost, open him eyes, the chariot wheel eyes of the throne of the King of Israel. If you're led by the anointing that sees and that sets free into liberty, in the glory, then you are seen accurately in the eyes of love. You only see in the glory. You only see in the spirit of grace, which means you can only see by practicing agape love. You can't see in a filet of love. That's why you got all these critical spirits, judgmental spirits everywhere. They come in and just heap insults. They just heap condemnation. You know why? Because they're they're coming out of the eyes of the devil. The, the eyes of Jesus don't see like the carnal eyes or like religious eyes. They're different eyes. The eyes of Jesus judge potential. And people get offended all the time by people's judgments and all. I tell you what, all things work out for good. I don't even know where half these people go when they disappear. It always grieves me. All you can do is keep watering them and hope, hopefully they get through it. But I've noticed this over the years, seeing tens of thousands come and go, that if there is no communication, no accountability, if they stop talking to the group, 
and stop talking to the leaders. It's Satan 100% of the time destroying their souls. It is. And sometimes it's Satan even if they talk to the leaders. <laughs> You've seen that a lot too. <laughs> so, the only people that follow God in every generation, you know this is true if you read the Word, the only people that ever followed the living God in the Bible were the ones that walked with the prophets. And they just worked it out with them. They didn't always agree with them. They didn't always walk perfectly with them. But at least they kept going and dealt with their junk as it came to the surface. And it's ugly in the exodus of every generation because that's what prophets do. They deliver their generation to God Almighty. Moses did it. Jeremiah did it. Ezekiel did it. Isaiah did it. Every prophet. Apostle Paul was a great prophet. He did it. He led his generation to Almighty God. And those that walked with him walked with God greatly. And their names are written down like Luke. You know, Luke the physician. Our beloved friend Luke. The great Apostle Paul talking about his friends in the Bible. I'm telling you guys, it's not about brown nosing. It's not about, can I video message you? I need a one-on-one -on -one call. It's about your spirit walking with the spirits of the prophets. It's not about your flesh walking with the prophets. Because Judas Iscariot did that and still went to hell. It's about your heart, your spirit walking with the prophets in the spirit and you can do that everywhere in the world right where you're at you can walk closely with the fivefold in the river of life amen and a lot of you become fivefold by walking with the fivefold and that's the truth anyhow you see pastors teachers evangelists get promoted to become apostles. The mantles change. There's a judgment from the heavenly Sanhedrin. There's a judgment from the Father. You have proven yourself faithful with little. I will make you responsible with much, the Lord says. And there's an upgrade because you invested your talents wisely by walking with God in the secret place of your heart. When others were slandering and gossiping against leadership, you didn't join in their lot. Bless you. Amen. You don't have to entertain demons in your mind. You don't have to disobey the prophetic commandment. And we heard the prophetic commandment on the mountain, Peter said. What was the prophetic commandment on the mountain? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. What's the prophetic commandment of the voice of God the Father on the mountain of transfiguration? Listen what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Listen and obey. And you go from glory to glory. Oh, but the temptation's so strong. Yeah, the temptation is strong. Babylon the Great. You got all kinds of crazy stuff happening in your minds. What did Jesus say to Peter? After you've fallen and you've repented from falling away and betraying me three times, restore back to me, then help your brothers. Which means Jesus knows you're going to mess up because the soul is way weaker than it thinks it is. The soul thinks it's strong. I got all your word in my soul. 
the fallen angel comes, you don't have anything because you're in your soul. All your Christianity and your soul will fall to the devil, and that's how you learn to grow up in Christ. Because the only thing that stands in the day of the Lord, the day of the fallen angel's judgment, which is the day of the Lord, this day is the spirit part of you. No other part of you can make it. That's why a lot of you young prophets tuning in, welcome to the front lines, hallelujah. Good time to be here, good time to grow up. But you recognize, and it's a humbling, and people can't humble themselves unless they're really thirsty and, and hungry for righteousness. It's a realization of how much soulish garbage and fake Jezebelic Christianity we've been a part of. And let's just lump ourselves all together and everyone growing together because we're here to help you get out of it. We're here to help you escape the matrix. Amen. The prophets are like Morpheus. We help you metamorphosize. With the morphine for Morpheus. Amen. Morpheus with the morphine. <laughs> oh, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. And where is he? He's injecting it right in the back of your brain stem. Amen. <laughs> You come out of that tub of goo and the matrix of being thought-led. The matrix is being thought-led. That I have lived in my brain, I have lived in the matrix. Living in the fall is living in your head. That's the realm of the dead. Living in your spirit that takes the word of God to enter back into those gates. It's your conscience, conscience transferring thought life into your spirit. If you're living in your head, you've never used the Bible for what it's meant for. The Bible to you is still a locked and sealed letter. And you still weep and mourn, which means constant problems. Continuous drama. Pray for me, pray for me. You never have a good report. It's always drama. Why? Because you've never entered into the spirit yet. When you enter into the spirit, the drama gradually goes away and you have good news every day. And now you come with fruit, you come with help, you come with heaven, you come with healing, you come with encouragement, you come building the group up because your spirit overflows. You can't do this until your brain enters your spirit. The brain and the mind and the thought life entering into the spirit is entering into the Garden of Eden. That's entering the gates of the Garden of Eden. You do have to go through the cherubim. And you do have to go through the flashing sword that's Jesus Christ. The sword still flashes. Same exact cherubim still there stationed at the gates. The gates are the gates of Eden. The gates of heaven. And you enter in within. You'll deal with your soul first. That's why if you go any deeper than their soul because the soul is right here in your breath entering into your breath is not entering into heaven at all it's the most deceptive place and part of you is your breath and your soul because it's the counterfeit of the spirit the soul is breath but the soul is the limitation of you the soul gets transformed when you go beyond your soul beyond your breath into your belly 
into your spirit. Now the limitations of your soul get transformed and transfigured of soul, purified of soul, into the infinite possibilities of Christ in your spirit. Which means you begin to learn and grow in the very Garden of Eden when you get this God inside-minded. This is where the Word of God takes you. Jian Guyan, people say she's the greatest Christian teacher of all time. Read her books. She said there's no growing in Christ ever unless it's a growing within. And what you're going to deal with is the whole manure pile of soul. And it will deceive your mind constantly. That's why your only friend in this process is the cross, to kill all this nonsense of soul and brain so that you can only be influenced by the Holy Ghost in a deeper depth of the river within, deeper daily, which is more of the cross, a greater accuracy, a greater maturity, a greater uprightness, a greater wisdom, a greater glory, a greater power, a greater authority. And if you go deeper within where Christ and his throne is, it will be shared with your soul. It'll be shared with your mind and your body begins to overflow, but you aren't even aware of it. Jesus was so overflowing with his father that when people got around him, his overflow would heal him and them from incurable diseases. The woman with the issue of blood. If I just touch the hem of his garment, why? Because his spirit was releasing his father into his clothing. And Paul did extraordinary miracles when he laid hands on the handkerchiefs. That anyone that touched the handkerchiefs was healed of incurable diseases because his spirit was getting through his soul onto the outside and imparting the energy of heaven into clothing into the elements and the elements can contain the glory they remember the glory they're trying to get back into the glory and the glory can only come through believers spirits who have sanctified and purified souls that's why all christian ministry is to get people believing in jesus and then sanctified of soul because then where Jesus is comes right through your bodies. You begin to feel it and you be like, man, this feels like drugs. This is what it means to be drunk on love. Shaka Shakar. Song of Solomon 5.1 Drink and be drunk on the spirit. Don't be drunk on alcohol but be constantly filled to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit, Apostle Paul says. Which means a people that know how to release where Jesus is because they are consciously aware through the renewing of their mind by believing the Word, and the Word carries the mind to the place where Jesus is in you. Amen? That's why preaching is so profitable because the Word transports. Suddenly, when I heard and believed the word, I was transported out of darkness into light or into the house of wine, Song of Solomon 2.4. The house of wine is what? The house of Jesus' presence. The house of Christ's glory. The house of the Lamb of God. Suddenly, which means at any point that you believe the prophetic word, 
You're transformed. And you're translated. What's transformed and translated? Your brain when you come into agreement with the word. That's why some people, they'll hear, but they won't understand. They'll see, but they'll never perceive. Otherwise, they'd be translated and transported. So it's not all the same. You have to hear and be available to transport. If you're not available to transport, you never heard. You haven't heard the gospel yet. Why? Because you haven't transported. And you choose if you go. I am now going to be with the Lord. How? By the word. What's the keys to the kingdom that opens the doors that no one can shut? It's the word of God through the air. So Satan defeats is defeated by Jesus on the cross because Jesus came into the air and is now releasing his victory through the word, which is why go and preach this gospel everywhere. It is the manifestation of the defeat of the devil, the prince of power of the air, where? In the thought life of the hearers. But not everyone believed, which means not everyone was transported into the glory. A lot of people you read about in the book of Acts, they're just like, nope. Some believe, some don't believe. When you believe through the transport, it's, a, it's saying that my brain will only think those thoughts through this word I agree with. If there's disagreement and there's stubbornness, there's a sorcery magic spell working in the brain, keeping them in covenant with the angel of death tied to the realm of the natural. You see the angels physically materializing around my head when I said that. When the brain says no to the word, it's saying yes to the curse of the fall, which is why sudden destruction comes upon you. It is written. That's a verse in the Bible. Sudden destruction comes on those that resist transportation. We'll meet him in the air. Th Thessalonians says, we think rapture. No, raptured right now by the word. I am meeting him in the air because the word is preached by the eagle flying in the air. Right now, today is the day of salvation that you meet him in the air because the word goes through the air, which means if you attach your soul to that chariot ride of the word, you're transported there. So which means you will go into the experience of the word, which is the only way to develop wisdom. Wisdom comes through transportation, which means encounters of heaven within the Word of God. Keys, which means the Word came forth. If you didn't go through the door, you still didn't understand, but you heard it 10,000 times from the prophets on YouTube. But you never went through. Why? Because it has to be mixed with faith. Faith will allow you to hear and transport. And everyone's faith is completely different. But everything that's not faith is sin, the Bible says. Amen? Amen? Scripture says anything not faith is sin, which means all the unbelieving parts of you that shred the prophetic word when it comes in and doesn't transport you from glory to glory is the world's influence still inside the gates of the soul that the word of God is warring against for your spirit buried under your soul. So even though a lot of times the teaching seems harsh, even sometimes rash or even mean and hurtful, it's because the soul is blocking the spirit from translating. So we're attacking the goat part of us, 
the soul part of us, for the spirit to be set free from the soul. Until the soul is circumcised off the spirit, the gospel remains a mystery without experience. You've never experienced divine love, but you heard about it. You know it's sound doctrine. You got the theology. You got the doctrine, you got the teaching, you heard it 10,000 times, but you yourself have not yet experienced it because the soul is robbing the inheritance from the spirit within. The spirit is the child of, of God. He's the father of spirits. Not one place is he called the father of souls. It's not in the Bible. He's called the father of spirits, which means there's a thief in the garden, and guess what it is? Look in the mirror, it's you. You're the thief in the garden. The soul is the thief. You're robbing and ripping yourself off and it's no one else's fault. There's no one else to blame except your own soul. That's the only part of you that is possible for the enemy to steal and rob from your spirit. We always think it's external warfare. Satan only has access through the soul. If the soul is circumcised off the spirit, there's no more robbing of the temple. Store up treasures in heaven in the spirit part of you where the thief and the robber cannot steal, where rust and moth do not destroy. Which means keep developing your spirit, the soul realm will be a mess. It'll look crazy, just like Jesus' first coming. Talk about chaos. There was total chaos in Israel during those days, wasn't there? Just rioting. They talk, they talk about in the Gospels, rioting. People coming up and saying they're the Messiah. All kinds of false messiahs. People going crazy nuts all over the place. Herod killing all the babies. Nothing like that had ever happened before in Israel. And there was even more chaos than that. It's because when the spirit's developed, it's developed in the midst of the brooding of the chaos in the deep. Genesis 1. What is the origin of your spirit? Holy Ghost, Mother Hen, brooding over you, Father of Spirits, in the chaos of the deep, of the deep part of you, which is the soul realm, which is where the devils eat from. That's what feeds the demonic. The demonic is when we give the invisible part of us unknowingly, usually through ignorance, my people perish by lack of knowledge, so they don't mean to do it. 99% of the people that follow God really were totally ignorant. They were dying for lack of revelation to separate soul from spirit in previous generations. They were never taught high enough, apostolically enough, prophetically at a level of maturity enough to divide asunder from the soul part of them and the spirit part of them. So the devil still had access to their soul. So a lot of them still had really hard lives. A lot of them still got really eaten up. There's whole nations, guys, where Christianity is almost entirely in the soul realm. It is most nations. But you look at the problems in nations, it's because the nation's faith in Jesus hasn't gone deeper than the depth of their themselves and their soul into spirit. So they can't be delivered because there's a legal contract to the soul realm and the fallen angels. You can name it, claim it, cry, weep, mourn, I'll wipe every tear from your eye, only if you come to the spring of the water of life. Every other place, you'll still cry and mourn and weep and wail and have a hard time. That's what the Bible teaches in the book of Revelation, which means only in the discovery of the spirit below the soul are you promised awesome, eternal lives, kingly lives, Zoe lives, glory lives on this earth. Everywhere else, you're going to have major problems. And that's the current state of the church. Major political problems, major religious problems, awesome financial problems. It's just the solution is buried within you. Just like Jeremiah, he buried the solution 
underneath Golgotha when Israel went into exodus or to captivity in Babylon. Jeremiah the prophet buried the Ark of the Covenant in the depths of Skull Hill, the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified. And that is also where God has buried the solution and the Ark of the New Covenant while you go into Babylon the Great captivity. So almost all Christians, knowingly or unknowingly, are in captivity of the last system of Satan and his angels, Babylon the Great. The solution to all deliverance is finding the Ark of the Covenant in your bellies. And you will rise above it. It's not even that it gets torn down laterally. It gets torn down vertically. He won't even tear it down laterally. You'll be discouraged if you try to do that, even if you're God inside-minded. You have to rise. This is the promised land, the resurrection. It's a level of being raised up, Bob Jones called it, above the snake line, above the curse. Above the curse of the law, you overcome that at birth. Above the curse of the fall, you overcome that by sanctification. And the sanctification raises the internal person of the heart, the secret person of the stairway, above the snake line of Babylon the Great. So you have a bird's eye view. You have a nest in a high place. That's the mansion prepared for your soul in this world. God's not so cruel to just give you a mansion through death. Jesus isn't like that. God is awesome to give you a mansion in this world, in this life. It's true. And as you rise, new doors open up. Jesus Christ said, if you follow me, become my disciple. You have a hundred houses in this life and a hundred houses in the life to come. He promised him a hundred different habitations of peace for the soul, of provision for the soul, of protection for the soul. It's written in the word. One of the promises of Jesus Christ in the Bible, a hundred habitations. But the requirement is you have to be a disciple and you have to be God inside minded, which is pretty much disqualifies almost every Christian on the planet. So you don't have a habitation, you don't have protection. First of all, because you don't understand the covenant. You got to get into the spirit part of you first. Then the promises are yes and amen. Where? In Christ. The Bible says the promises are only yes and amen in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Which means there's no promise except in the glory of Christ lower than the soul. And honestly, even amongst us who are getting disciples and stuff, most of you haven't discovered that promised land place in your soul, in your spirits yet. Below your souls, even in this group, in this room. So there has to be a digging of the well of salvation. There has to be a shepherding. Keep eating, but understand this is where you're going. This is your future. You're going to go deeper within to the promised land within. Song of Solomon says, I have found the promised land. Where? Within you. Within you. That's what's written in the Word. I have found the promised land within you. And just not just one promise. Every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I was reading John Paul Jackson. He was talking about like 36,000 promises in the Bible towards saints. 36,000. You can't even imagine. Once you're in this realm, this is the glory realm. 
once you're in the glory realm of the kingdom of heaven within you, Luke 17, 21, as long as it's according to God's will, which means you're going to have to be following the Spirit now. Just because you go in there isn't like a, a magic eight ball. He does, he's not going to give you, grant you all of your lust. He's not going to grant you all of your soulish desires and carnal passions, but He'll grant you what's according to His will, which would be better anyway. Yeah, yeah, God's not a withholder like Ananias and Sapphira. God's not like Ananias and Sapphira. He doesn't withhold. God is a giver. God's so loved that He gave. God's a giver and He never withholds. You need to understand the nature of God because when you discover God in you, He wants to give you the kingdom. Jesus Christ said, it's God's good pleasure to give you His kingdom. Written in the Word now, He loves to give His kids the kingdom. But his kids don't really understand how to live in the kingdom for real. We got kingdom theology. We got all kinds of doctrines and teachings about the kingdom. We heard about the kingdom. We go to charismatic church and we think we're going into the kingdom. We're not. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is not here or there. It's not around, where's the kingdom? Maybe it's at that revival center. Maybe it's in that ministry. Maybe it's in that ministry. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ said, is not around you. The kingdom of heaven is inside you. Luke 17, 21, it is written, the kingdom realm that you will live in, the promised land, is in your spirit. So all discipleship of hearing the word and learning obedience to the word which won't be automatic at first because you're full of doubt and you're full of self. So all that doubt and self, which is the fallen angel influence, will have to be removed at the level you're willing to give it up. This is the pressure of the wine press of the wrath of the Almighty. This is the pressure of Christ. Christ is the great tribulation, not the devil. The devil can't do a great tribulation. Otherwise, he would have done that already. The devil can't do anything unless God allows it. It's God's devil in the Bible. It's God's devil. God's totally sovereign in control of all devils. It is written, this is the pressure of our giving up of soul and self, stubbornness, all of our theology, teaching, doctrine, all the junk you see people coming in with while they can't receive, and then they just start fighting the spirit of revelation. They got all these thoughts about God in their head, and they start fighting. You see them. I've watched thousands of these people come through the Red Letter Ministries Facebook group and they attack the spirit of revelation with the spirit of religion or the spirit of charismatic religion, which is the spirit of Jezebel, with all the teachings. She calls herself inspired, which means they think this is revelation, but it's only the thoughts in their head. That ain't revelation. That's Satan. False revelation everywhere in the charismatic church. Everywhere. Here's real revelation. The Word of God, the Logos, in your belly. This is how you know if it's false. If they haven't gone into their belly to grow the tree of life, you can just burn all the false revelation of their whole soul. Babylon the Great loves to fill you with false, soulish, Christian prophetic revelation. Because it's the potent sorcery of Babylon the Great that deceives the whole world. This is how the soul is ultra 
ultra deceived. You're not dealing with mild deception where I can just shoot a revelation at you and burn that thing right up into the Garden of Eden. You're dealing with like 33 layers of sorcery, of jannies and jambres that have filled the soul with false revelation from angels of light that deceive. Levels and layers of deception that are just bury the spirit, but you will rise as your spirit eats from the soil. It is written from the dust of the earth. What's the dust of the earth? The teachings of the fallen angels in the guise of Christ. Wow. <laughs> You'd be surprised. The only thing that cuts through that is the word of God in the spirit. Amen. That's why you want to walk closely with the prophets. Prophets have the inspired word and they are there to feed the people. Moses and Aaron fed the people every day manna, which is symbol symbolic of eating. Jesus Christ said the same thing in Revelation, you'll eat hidden manna, which means it's learning how to eat today's daily bread. Matthew chapter six, when you pray, pray for food for your spirit. It is written, pray for your spirit to eat. Not your soul. We don't need any more soulish religion. We need spiritual Christianity. We need the revelation of Jesus Christ at the cost of the seven seals of the soul, totally burnt out by the seven blazing torches before his throne. A people willing to sacrifice the seals of their soul, which has given up the curse of the fall. And you'd actually be surprised how many people are not willing to give up the curse of the fall. Most people don't want to give it up because it's scary to go into light because I feel like I'm burning, I'm, I'm dying, I'm being judged. It's so hard. No, it's wonderful. You're a burnt offering. The soul, the animal, the heart, every part of you is the offering for the altar before the Father's throne. So the spirit part of you can get up off the altar, but the soul, the brain, the bones, and the marrow stay on the gold altar before the Father's throne and burn in the seven spirits of God forever. Forever. You could call the altar the throne of Jesus. That's why it's called the throne of the Lamb. Lamb referring to the sacrifice of your souls on it. Being seated with Christ on his throne is offering your soul, your brain, your bones, and your marrow to the fire of the Holy Spirit as an animal sacrifice because last time I checked, a lamb is an animal. It's someone who's completely given up the DNA of the flesh and blood of their created part of them to go into the spirit part of them. And guess what happens when you're fully slain with him and you stay slain with him and you're enthroned with him, which means you're bound to the altar and you're a willing sacrifice bound by your own will to the altar. Not with cords, not with chains, although you can have them if you want to. Paul says, I'm a bondservant in chains to Christ. So he chained himself to the altar. Probably because he needed to, because he had a temptation from Satan, a thorn in his flesh. <laughs> Still getting pulled into the religious spirit sometimes. Paul wasn't perfect, but Christ in him was. Amen. No apostles perfect, but Christ in the apostles is. No prophets perfect. Prophets still make mistakes, but Christ in them's perfect. And you need to differentiate too, as y'all, we together grow in the prophetic, that part of you that's still you, and the difference between when the river of life straight from the Father comes out. Because it should put the fear of God in the prophet's brain and the listeners. 
because you're watching God the Father manifest through an animal offering. And all y'all are going to experience that in the future too. That's the funnest part of Christianity, is being the temple, is looking at God through the back seat. And you're just on the altar and the Father is breathing through and the spirit part of you can get off the altar. And the angel can be begin to participate with the, the armies of the living God, can participate with Gabriel, Uriel, Michael, and all the archangels, and you will. For they are the angel-like sons of God, the children of the resurrection. Luke chapter 20, it is written. So the angel part of you begins to work with the angels and becomes friends with all the angels. But the animal part of you is dead in Christ. Not dead in sin. Dead in Christ because your sin's forgiven. You're either going to be dead in sin, that's repentance unto death, or dead in Christ, repentance unto life. Choosing where you put this soul and this body. Because the Apostle Paul says there's many altars down here. Where's your soul and your body? What altar of what demon? He says the altars of demons. And the soul's drinking the cups of demons and they're drunk on the altars of demons by sacrificing their souls, their time, their money on demon altars. It is written, Book of Corinthians. Amen. Now, if you put your body on the altar of God, and that's what this word will carry you to, and make sure you do it and let the fire of God begin to burn it up. And if there's resistance, it's because you're detaching from the earthly altars. This thing ain't supposed to be attached in the altar on the earth or under the earth or in the second heavens, but you'd be surprised how much stuff needs to burn off to be detached from these altars. A lot, a lot of times it's unknowing. A lot of times it's generational because your parents serve these altars. The DNA in your bloodline is to serve these altars as well. And you're a lot more like your parents than you want to be. And you're dealing with it. And this is how you deal with it. The Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. Cut off those soul ties. Detach from those altars. And DNA can transform. That's the promise of the Gospel. New celestial garments. Which means you're going to have different father. God. A different mother. God. A different family. Of God. The kingdom of God is your new family now. And the kingdom of God only belongs to those whose bodies are on the one gold altar of God. If your flesh ain't on that altar, you're not in the kingdom of God. You're not. You can hear teaching about it, but later on you'll make a decision when you're ready to actually give your life to Jesus and follow Him closely, much more accurately. Then your body will go on that altar. And then you begin to do the angelic works that are promised for the end times, or the order of Melchizedek. For the workers at the end of the age are the mature ones whose bodies are on the altar of gold. And your body turns gold and you get gold dust because you're on the gold altar. Amen? And then the celestial body comes forth through the working of the angel. For the Spirit now does the works. You're no longer laboring in vain. The part of you that bears God's image is a priest in the order of Melchizedek with the rank of Melchizedek, which is the rank of God's throne where that altar is. And I believe, through experience, that altar is the throne of the Lamb. Your dealings with Jesus on the inside. The Good Shepherd dealing with all the stuff in you from the enemy. Bad seed, bad teaching, evil heart, DNA problems, weaknesses of the flesh, prone to this familiar spirit because your parents were idolaters, all that idolatry is given to you in the flesh and in the DNA. So when we're weak, He is strong to just burn it out. Oh, hallelujah. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. You can't do anything unless you let the Spirit of Christ deal with it, which is less and less shame and giving Him all your problems into Christ in you. When I deal with external warfare every day and problems all, all around, 
I give the battle to the Lord. Otherwise, you'd go nuts because there's people are so messed up everywhere. And I have my own short fallings. And so you just deal with all kinds of earthly human problems constantly. So it's overwhelming until you learn to give it all to Jesus in you. And then it's easy. And then it, the whole burden lifts. Your stuff starts to pop out your ears, pop off your back, pop out your bones. The Holy Ghost takes the burden. He's called the helper. The paraclete, the one called alongside to help. The comforter. What is he comforting you in? The labor of Christ. Because we don't know how much Christ is in us, but God has expectations on his son Jesus Christ, and we so happen to be the temple of Jesus Christ. And we're kind of caught in the mix between the Holy Spirit knowing the ability of Jesus in us, and then our own souls that are just a total mess. And so we're just looking. You just learn how to just not look at the mess of your soul. Look at Jesus. He's in control. And it does get easier. Because you, your faith grows that God is really in the midst of you. Emmanuel. He's closer than the air you breathe. Which means he's deeper than your soul. He's the essence of your spirit. It's by faith without any limitations of physics or science. Without any biological limitations of light. The Creator isn't limited by any part of His creation. The Creator isn't limited by laws. Jesus came and it looked like He broke every Levitical law. Why? Because He's the one that gave it to Moses on the mountain, so His interpretation superseded all the Pharisees. And He did it every single day, and they were constantly offended. When you begin to walk with Christ on the inside, you're going to mess with religious people all the time. Because they have their own individual interpretation. Well, it's forbidden. You know that verse? No prophecy of scriptures for individual interpretation. Otherwise, you're following the traditions of men that nullify the power of the word. Nullifying the power of the word is no longer walking in the spirit, in the bewitchment. Now I'm in the soul. Which is I'm growing in self-righteousness instead of Christ's gifted righteousness. And holiness is a gift. You couldn't be, have any external discipline of refraining from sin and practice one drop of divine holiness. You can't. But if you know Jesus in you, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One Himself is shared with your spirit, and the Holy One is your holiness. Amen. Christianity is trying to get into holiness, man, it's goofball stuff. These people become Pharisees that fast. But if you get into the Holy One on the inside, the Holy One's your holiness. That's why we're so joyful, recognizing my soul doesn't have the ability to have any righteousness of its own, any holiness of its own, but God indwells my spirit, and I'm just drinking it like grace. Jesus in me, holiness. Jesus in me, purity. The, we're as pure as Jesus is pure because he lives inside our hearts. And everything else is the accuser of the brethren. It's true. And they get into the accuser. They look at all this other stuff. They listen to all the enemy. But you listen to Christ. My sheep hear my voice and they listen to me. Jesus is the voice of many waters of the river of life outflowing from your belly. And they hear his voice, which means their minds are persuaded from the word of life. Repentance unto life is a mind that is convinced that the river of life is speaking and I'm following that word. Now I'm carried by the word of God. Now I'm carried by the river of God. Now the kingdom of heaven carries me. Now I'm in a chariot of fire. Now I'm riding on 
rivers of oil. I'm riding on mountaintops of oil. I'm riding in the Word. The Word has transported me, which means the Word has become my transportation. The Word is your Lamborghini. Lamborghini of the Word. The Word of the Lamborghini is the transportation for your body and you will have it in spirit. Before you have it in the natural realm, you have to have faith for it. In the spiritual realm, you'll be walking with Him in a higher realm of glory, a greater riches of glory, and automatically all things get added on to the spiritual realm that you're walking with in the invisible. So the visible catches up to the invisible because the invisible created the visible. So when you follow the invisible God, that's His name in the Bible, and you're God inside-minded following the invisible God, and your visible part of you follows the invisible, you go up to where God is. God is pouring out His Spirit and all flesh, which is our elevator of a resurrection, a hope of a resurrection, the Bible calls it. Hopefully, you rise. Many don't. Many only, many only go so far and says, this is enough, let me out. <laughs> Seen that 200,000 times. Let me out here. This is the level that I want to settle for the rest of my life. They got offended in the elevator or something. They misunderstood something. Some kind of gossip got them, some slander. The devil got them. So they get out of going higher in the water. Going higher in the fire. Listen, repent, which means return to the elevator and keep ascending together. The Bible says they shall rise together. Amen. Individually, you ain't gonna rise. Corporately, you rise. It takes groups of rising together. That's why we always do public ministry, because globally, we must rise together as one. The bride rises from the dead, then comes down as a scroll, and that scroll is called the New Jerusalem. What does that mean? The New Government. Jerusalem is the place of the government of the Word of God called Zion in Jerusalem. Not in the natural anymore, in the New Covenant, in the spiritual. The Spirit of Christ is raising you up to the spiritual high place over the snake line, over the second heavens with your souls renewed to that dimension, seen from a bird's eye view, and you will rise. You know, a decade maybe of just obedience by faith and not by sight because of so much warfare around me. It's all just really foggy. There's about a decade where I was so drunk in the resurrection that I couldn't even use my senses. I was just all here in my belly the whole time and drunk in my senses and drunk in my flesh until we broke through the other side, I think about 2018, and it was just bird's eye view, clarity all around. But it was about 10 years that were just totally, totally blacked out in the glory. It's true, where the senses were at zero. You won't have those experiences. That's already been pioneered for you. But you're going to have to rise the same way we rose. Amen. And now we have the teaching of the process of the resurrection through experience that can be imparted with authority into your hearts so that you can rise into higher spiritual elevations, into the high place, into the new Jerusalem. And you too shall come down as a scroll when you talk. It will be your spirit talking that's been raised from the dead while in the body. <laughs> Amen. So your words have power and they don't fall to the ground. Angels obey your words. They'll become instant manifestations of the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus spoke, it was creative power. Go, your daughter is healed. 
five miles away, instant miracle. And everything he said happened. When they came to arrest him, he said a couple words, and the soldiers went back to the priest and reported to him, no man has ever spoken like this that is written. Why? Because his words had all authority from the high place of the universe over all flesh and blood. And that's where you're going. The promised land is whatsoever you say anointing. And if you don't have that, it's because you're young in the Lord still, and you're learning how to talk. Learning how to talk in Christ is learning how to create from God's throne everything according to God's will with all God's glory inside the temple until no word falls to the ground and every word's creative and the word of God the Bible calls the government of God and of the increase of that word there shall be no end until the word of God King of Kings and Lord of Lords is ruling over all the world in absolute power and authority and glory the Bible says at that level which I believe is hundreds of years into the future. I believe this is decades into the future of this prophecy fulfilled where there's no longer an ability to see the sun or the moon and there's no more night because the word from the manifest sons of God become the covering over planet earth. During the fall, all the fallen angels were the covering over the earth. If, you were, if they were to take flesh on, you'd never have seen the sun or the moon your whole life or the stars or the sky because there's that many around this planet. But now the sons of God take the skyline, the firmament, and the firmament will shine like the sun forever. Daniel 12, it is risen because your spirit is glorified, raised from the dead, taking the skyline, walking in the clouds, meeting him in the air, and taking the high places, becoming the principalities. That's what you're doing. The word of God is making you a prince of God. You know what prince of God is or principality God? Yes. Israelite, Israelites, principality, Israelites, same thing. You're learning to be princes. I set my princes over all the earth, it is written in Psalms. What does it mean? Your spirit built up in the word and the word coming down as a scroll over territories and regions. Problem is, is we're not mature enough in the body of Christ and because we're dwelling for buildings made by human hands to take the skyline. We're gonna take the skyline everywhere. The group of people, people, the, the angels and the Holy Ghost is building people up into a maturity that previous generations of Christianity couldn't even imagine the ability of how great the new covenant is. But they're in the cloud of witnesses and they're rooting us on. Every generation, greater revelation builds upon the previous generation's revelation. We have greater revelation than all previous generations combined. Daniel said, and knowledge shall increase. It's also revelation knowledge shall increase. Why? Because all the revelation down here came through the prophets. So you have 6,000 years of prophetic revelation, and we build upon that in our spirit as the seed to grow into a greater revelatory people than ever before. And that's the capstone generation because it's the cap of the planet removing all the fallen angels around the earth with your spirits, your angels, over all the earth. You will be the new skyline. You will be the new tabernacle of David, the new covering of the earth, the clothing of the glory of your spirit, covering all the earth as the waters cover the sea, for underneath your spirit will come down the word of God and the spirit of God without measure to drown everything down below. To some it will be the lake of fire, to others it will be paradise and the garden of Eden restored. Remember the devil was crawling on his belly as a snake when Adam and Eve had dominion over the earth. 
That's the lake of fire that we bring back, that they go back to that limitation of just being little garden snakes in the lake of fire, tormented under the dominion of our spirit forever. But you, everyone else that believes in Jesus Christ and embraces the Spirit and the Word will be totally liberated from the curse of the fall. This is the promise of revelation. I believe it will happen in this generation. And we can speed this coming, this manifestation, by the develop of our spirit at the cost of our soul. Amen. And a losing of control, a growing in grace is all it is, guys. We need millions of times more grace than our brains still stuck in religion think we have and what we need. You know, we still mix like, oh, I just got to be good and I just got to be holy. You got to get into grace like a river because nothing else works. You're not going to have any goodness other than grace. You're not going to have any glory other than measurements of grace. You're not going to have any divine ability, angelic ability, ruling and reigning ability other than grace like rivers. The truth is we have shut down grace and settled for grace to be good in the soul, which is false grace. It's immaturity. You never be good in the soul. You need more grace in the spirit to crucify the soul from the soul's counterfeit goodness. Amen. And grace comes out like a river that will eventually bring the spirit up and you can legally attain these heights only through measures of grace that the body of Christ has not attained yet. We haven't grown up in grace. The Bible says grow in grace. Grace is not a one-time impartation. Grace is the living water that you grow in until your angel is over the skyline. That you are the new sun and the new word and the new rain and the weather system of all the natural elements underneath your angel. So we keep growing in grace until all these abilities are fully manifest. What, what abilities? The abilities of Jesus to rule and reign. To a, a bride equally yoked to him with all spiritual ability. Not a child bride, not someone stuck in the earth, not someone soulish, fully spiritual. It's called full spiritual stature in the Bible. Amen? We'll end with a couple verses here. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Glory! <laughs> Colossians 2.10 Let's start in verse 8. Take our time like some fine steak. Let's start in verse 5. For though I'm away from you in body, whoopty frickin' do. They had never seen Paul. He just sent letters. That's true. Colossia. So now, at least you guys can see me. That's how much greater today is than Paul's day. Better use this technology. They had never even seen their apostle. Yeah. Never heard his voice. Someone else had to read the little scrolls he'd send. Like someone who'd sprint for 14 days to get to him. Man, we've come a long ways, amen? Amen. For though I'm away from you in body, yet I am with you in spirit. Delighted at the sight of your standing shoulder to shoulder in such orderly array and the firmness and the solid front and steadfastness of your faith in Christ, that leaning of the entire human personality on him in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. 
As you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, so walk, regulate your lives, conduct yourselves in union with and conformity to Him. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in Him, fixed and founded in Him, being continually built up in Him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, ever-increasing glory. Just as you were taught that there's always more, and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving, see to it that no one carries you off as spoil or makes you yourselves captive by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, idle fancies, and plain nonsense. Following human tradition, men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world. Just crude notions following the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ the Messiah. For in Him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression to the divine nature. We all believe that. But now it says, and you are in Him which means incomplete deity. So it's written. In him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature, and you are in him, made full. And having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. Just say, I'm filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. It's in full spiritual stature that the Spirit and the Bride say, come and drink. That's when you take the sky as angels in full spiritual stature. Full spiritual stature is the promised land of your spiritual growth. As you constantly grow in Him, it is written. And He is the head. This is being the head now of the universe, of, of all rule and authority, of every angelic principality and power. Amen! <laughs> so we thank you, Father, for this wonderful child bride. The sincere level of our glory and our faith and our sanctification and embracing us where we're at together, corporately and globally, at this level of our brideship of our soul consumed by Christ in our spirit. Thank you for fathering our spirit into full spiritual stature and always working with us and through us to continuously grow in faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. In Jesus' name, bless you guys. We'll see you Tuesday. Amen. <laughs> glory. If you'd like to give an offering, click the links in the description. Hallelujah! <laughs>
and no limitations in the spirit there are no limitations in the glory realm no limitations in the spirit there are no limitations in the glory realm no limitations in the spirit there are no limitations in the glory realm no limitations in the spirit there are no No. 